This is my first time preaching to um, our community live since prior to COVID, and I just felt like I could just walk off right now. I just feel like all that love was just, oh man, thank you. Um, So good to be here. I'm really grateful to be part of a community that acknowledges um, all the ways women mom. You know, um, in Judges 5, there's a story of, 4 and 5, there's a story of Deborah. And if you don't know that story, go check it out. And it's a story of a woman who was a prophetess, who was a judge, who was leading Israel, and she had, she was fierce. I mean, she had military might. She heard from God. She had powerful things. And in Judges 5, she's singing about herself, good for you, Deborah, and she calls herself the mother of Israel. And I love this because we know she was married and we presume she had children because culturally in that time, that was highly likely. But she's not referring to that when she calls herself the mother of Israel. She is saying, I am the mother of a nation. And what that says to me is that we as women, speaking to the women here in the room and those who are watching at home, we have the capacity to mom things other than children. We have the capacity to lead and to nurture and defend and all the great things Dave just said. Something other than children. Children, yes, but also organizations, businesses, ideas, dreams. Like That is innately in us women. So wherever you are at today, whatever you are feeling, I just want to call that out and affirm that. Say women are called to lead. Women are called to birth ideas. Women are called to start things. It's inside of us. So we bless you ladies today and just honor that in you. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Well, I'm going to dive right in this morning. I'm going to be teaching from Psalm 126. If that sounds familiar, it's because Dave taught from it last week. We are tag teaming these couple of weeks. And this whole week, I've just been like, God, what what are you saying to our community? Like, we've just done this Future Church series. We had this incredible announcement last week where we're discerning about a potential permanent building. Life is kind of reopening and re-emerging, right? Especially here in San Francisco. I mean, we acknowledge the fact that there are many places around the world where that's not happening. But here in our city, so many people are vaccinated. So many people are kind of emerging out of the season. How do we do that? Like, how do we do that well? And I wonder if you, like me, may sense some hesitation, may feel like, I don't know if I'm ready. I mean, maybe some of you that are sitting here in this room right now, maybe this is like a little bit of a scary thing to re-enter into space. Like, I don't know, social anxiety, that's a real thing. I've been dealing with that. I don't know how to have a conversation. Am I still funny? I don't know. Like, how do we, how do, we do this, right? There's like a lot of things in us. It's like, I'm not sure about this. So as I listened to Holy Spirit this week, this is where he landed me with this message. It's going to probably feel like a little bit out of rhythm of where we've been, but that's okay because we want to follow the Spirit. We want to know what he's doing. And so this is really a pastoral moment. And what I'm going to attempt to do is pastor our community in this room and on a screen with what I sense Holy Spirit wants to do in us. This is going to be an unusual service today because we're going to end a little differently. We're going to have an extended time of ministry at the end. So those of you who are watching at home, don't click off. Stay with us. We're going to do some prophetic stuff, some words of knowledge. We're just going to see what God is doing in the room. Does that sound good? Is that okay? All right. 
Psalm 126, it says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you're in this space and you're in our homes and you have a thing you want to do. And we just say, Holy Spirit, come have your way. Like we feel, a lot of us feel like we have been sowing in tears. But God, we're ready for the joy. God, a lot of us feel like, oh God, would you restore this thing? And Jesus, we anticipate that that's exactly what you desire to do. Would you come and do what only you can do in our lives, in Jesus' name, amen. This summer, my husband and I are celebrating 15 years of marriage, and thank you, yeah. And when we got married, we got married here in San Francisco, and we, um, our wedding song that we danced to was Ryan Adams' Stars Go Blue. I know, some of you are too young. You're like, who even is that person? Okay, about 15 years ago, he was big. And so we play this song, we did our dance, and now today, whenever we put on Stars Go Blue, it just takes us right back to that moment. In fact, I have something that I do quite often in our home, is we'll be doing the dishes, we've got two kids, and we've got a dog, and everyone's needy, you know, and like, we're doing all the things, and I'll just turn it, I'll just open my Spotify and, and click Stars Go Blue, and we're right back in that moment, and my husband will turn around, and we just dance for like 30 seconds, I know, we're so cute, and... And then we turn it off and we go back to doing the dishes and feeding the dog and all of the things. But isn't it true that like songs have the capacity to take us back to a moment, right? Songs and poetry and all those kind of creative outlets, they take us back to a moment where we feel something. That's what the Psalms are, the songs, the poems. The psalmist is attempting to take us somewhere beyond just our cognitive thinking to feel something. Eugene Peterson, the author of the Message Bible, says, Poets tell us what our eyes blurred with too much gawking and our ears dulled with too much chatter miss around and within us. Poets use words to drag us into the depth of reality itself. Poetry grabs us by the jugular, far from being cosmetic language. It's intestinal. That's what the Psalms are. So when we read the Psalms, like we just read Psalm 126, this is intestinal, this is deep, this is emotional. This is supposed to grab a place of us and kind of help us look at what does it mean to be human? Like what does it mean to experience highs and lows? What does it mean to connect with God in this deep intestinal way? The context for this Psalm, we don't know 100% for certain, Theologians have different ideas, but a lot of them suggest that this psalm is written remembering a time when Israel came out of exile. If you're unfamiliar with your Old Testament history, just really quick, there was a period of time where Israel was conquered by Babylon. They went in, decimated the temple, destroyed the land, took the people away, and for about 70 years, they lived in a different land. 
And then God freed them. They were able to go back to their land. Many people say that the beginning of this storm, it's like we were like those who dreamed. Man, we had been thinking for 70 years, what would it like to be, to be back in our own place, to go back to the temple, to go back to the way that we used to live? What would that feel like? And then it happened. Have you ever had one of those moments where that thing you've been dreaming of happens? That, that, that job opportunity, they're like, man, all my education, everything I've hoped for has brought me to this moment. This is unreal. Maybe that relationship, maybe moving to San Francisco was that thing for you. You're like, I dreamed my whole life of living in California, and here I am. I mean, we all have these moments, right? It's like we're dreaming what it is to be a dreamer to feel like, God, you're so good, you did this thing. And that's what the writer of the psalm is doing here. It's like, God, you did all this restoration, you freed us. Our mouths were filled with laughter and with song. It's reflecting on this. But then the second half of the psalm shift gear and he's asking God for more restoration. He says, restore our fortunes. Lord, he talks about tears. He talks about joy. You see, here's the thing about when they came back from exile, nothing was how they left it. They came out of the season that was so hard and they were longing and they were praying and they came out of it and they went back and it wasn't how they left it. It wasn't what they remembered. Everything had changed. They had changed. The temple that was the center of their life of faith decimated, destroyed. Some people never came back. It had been too long. They died in exile. Some people chose to not come back. They had married and had families. Like They came back to the land and like, well, where is everyone? Where are my people? Where is everything that I remember? God, this isn't right. Something's off. I mean, how do you move forward when you come back to something that doesn't feel the same? I mean, how do you process everything that you longed for and everything that you lost. What do you do in that moment? Church, that's what I wanna talk to you about this morning. This morning I wanna talk to you about grief. I believe that in order for us to move forward, we first need to go back. Dr. Ron Walborn, he, he preached a, a message at John Tyson's church, Church of the City in New York, just last year. It's all about grief, and it has deeply inspired my thinking around this. I'd encourage you to Google it and find it. He says this, we must grieve the painful losses of the past seasons of our life before we can effectively embrace the present and the future. Our ability to access our present and our future depends on how we've processed our past, how we've grieved, how we've allowed ourselves to feel those feelings. Now, I know some of you probably don't know me, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this Ruthie Kim gal, she's one of those people that's all up in her feelings. She just loved, <laughs> I can hear Dave laugh over there. She just must love to like read poetry and watch Hallmark movies, and maybe this is just how she always preaches. Well, just for any of you in the room who are just like, oh, as soon as I said feelings or grief, let me just say this, I'm an Enneagram 8. I'm a challenger. I like to, like, my, my default is bulldozing. That's kind of like, that's just where I'm at, right? Like, my idea of a great Christmas movie is Die Hard, okay? That's, 
that's where, <laughs> that's where I'm at. When I was in high school, my high school pastor took me aside one day and he said, Ruthie, you're gifted. And I was like, oh. And he's like, and your gift is blunt honesty. <laughs> And I was like, okay, and he was not wrong. Okay, so this is, this is who I am. So when I preach this message today, it's not in my comfort zone, okay? It's not in like, oh, I just love to lean into my grief, guys. Let's talk about our grief, won't this be fun? I'm not that person. I'm not really comfortable in this space myself. And I don't think I'm alone in that. You see, generally, I think we're pretty ill-equipped to deal with loss. We're uncomfortable with grief. We avoid facing pain. It's why some of you in this room end relationships over text messages. It's why we get invited to a good par goodbye party and we say, this isn't goodbye, just see you later. I mean, it's goodbye, but nobody wants to say it's goodbye. Right? We're so uncomfortable, we don't know what to do with that. I've got all these feelings about it, but shove them down because we just don't do loss well in our culture especially here in San Francisco. It's like everyone's moving from one success to another, one triumph to another, one promotion to another startup, to another thing, to another, wow, you're doing great. But we don't know what to do with people that aren't moving from triumph to triumph. We don't know how to handle people's pain and their loss. Let me ask you, church, when was the last time you grieved? I don't mean just say, oh, we got to grieve that thing. I mean, when was the last time you let the sorrow and the sadness come up out of the depths of you and you felt it and you processed it? A few weeks ago, I was awake in the night for about five hours. I couldn't sleep. I was replaying a lot of the things that had happened to me and my family in the last 14 months people that I'd lost, friends that moved away, goodbyes that I had to say. I was processing celebrations and significant events that we just never got to have. Celebrating massive change in my own life. I mean, there was so much, I just couldn't get back to sleep. And the next morning, I was telling my husband, and he was like, it sounds like you need a grief journal. I rolled my eyes, <laughs> because that's just what I do. And then I went to Target and I bought a journal <laughs> to start writing about my grief because I thought, you know what? I think all of us have a tendency to say, oh man, so disappointed. Oh, the grief, oh, sad. But to not actually do the work of grieving. You might be here this morning and you might be thinking, well, I don't know if I really need to grieve anything. Well, maybe you're feeling stuck. Maybe you're feeling like, I don't have the energy to re-emerge. I'm not sure about this vision for the future of our church. I'm not sure if I really have the faith for that. I don't know how to move forward. Maybe you're just feeling exhausted. Church, I want to say to us this morning that I think there's some grief process that we need to do. There are some things that, that we need to work through. Walter Brueggemann says that weeping permits newness. Church, grief doesn't have to be crying. It can be, but there are other ways to get it out of our body. But what happens is when we get that out, we create space. We create space for the new thing that God is doing in us and in our community. Do you want space this morning? Do you want space carved out where God can come and deposit vision and faith and hope and you feel like, oh man, I found my mojo again. Do we want that this morning? If we want that, I think we have to go back before we can go forward. I think that grief is the gateway 
for us this morning, church. I'm gonna lead you through three different areas of grieving that I think are important for us to consider. Number one, grieving endings and goodbyes. I recently listened to an interview with Dr. Lydia Dugdale, the author of a new book called The Lost Art of Dying. She talked extensively about the last year she worked with COVID-19 patients. She's worked with seniors and elderly for many, many years of her medical career. And she's written this book. And what prompted her to write this book was the idea that even though mortality is 100%, most people are not prepared for their own end their own death. Her book is based on the Ars Moriendi, which is Latin for the art of dying, and is the genre of writing that was written in the 1300s after the bubonic plague just destroyed Western Europe. And people were like, oh my gosh, so many people have died, there's been so much loss, like help us, how do we prepare for death? And so there's this writing, and it's fascinating, but it got me thinking about even our death, which is pretty much guaranteed, we're not prepared for, because we're just not a culture that prepares for endings and goodbyes. We're a culture that loves new things, possibilities, progress, and promotion, but rarely do we take the time to transition and uh, look at change and say goodbye and acknowledge endings. We resist goodbyes, but friends, we have had so many goodbyes in the last 14 months, haven't we? Rhythms of life, just ways of being, gone. Life as we knew it, much like Israel coming back from exile, it's like, wait, this thing isn't there anymore. I mean, even this morning, as my husband dropped me off here, we passed a store and he's like, oh, that one's closed too. So many goodbyes. People that left. People that left our community groups, our church, our friendship circle, our neighbors, maybe for all great reasons, but goodbyes. Maybe you're feeling a little bit of that in regards to church. Maybe you heard Dave share last week about the new building. You're like, wait, we're not going back to Everett? Wait, we're not, what about the, what about the, oh, that's different. I guess it's over. That's weird. Like, what do we do with that? Most of us go, we just push it aside and we just keep going. But that's the ending and that's the the goodbyes and those are the things that we need to grieve because we're still counting up our losses from this year, aren't we? And some things just moved so fast, we just didn't even get a chance to say goodbye. I mean, I look at my kids and I think, man, just a season of their life that they didn't even get to experience in the way that we expected. Wow, I should, I should probably think about that. Even the disciples struggled with goodbye. I mean, Jesus tried to tell them again and again that he was moving on and he was gonna die, and they're like, whoa, no, we don't get that. We don't wanna talk about your goodbye or your ending. We don't understand that. Like, even they struggled, but Jesus knew the importance of endings. I mean, he mourned the loss of John the Baptist. He wept over Lazarus who died, even though he was gonna raise him again. He cried in the garden of Gethsemane and acknowledged the ending. Church, do we acknowledge the endings and the goodbyes? What are the things that you said goodbye to this year? What are the things that ended and have you grieved them? Number two, We need to be grieving individual and collective trauma. 
A traumatic event is generally defined as an experience that causes distress and harm. And it can be physical, mental, emotional, and usually there's a sense of powerlessness to it. I can't stop this happening. I'm not in control here. Something's happening to me that's harming me, and I'm afraid, and I have no control over it. And I would like to suggest that to some degree, every single one of us has experienced trauma in the last year. It looks different for everybody. The suddenness of this virus and everything that shifted and was so uncertain, it has left us with things like anxiety, sleeplessness, exhaustion, extra vigilance. And then there's this collective trauma, the upheaval shared by all of us, just our life change, normalcy gone. But here's the reality of collective trauma. It's not always equal. Some bear the weight of trauma much more significantly. We know that our sisters and brothers of color have experienced a disproportionate amount of trauma in the last few months. Brutal killings of unarmed black people, violent attacks against members of the Asian community, blatant racism, and just the exhaustion of this ongoing racial injustice. I mean, are we listening to our community? I mean, you might be here and you might be thinking, well, that's not been my story, but it has been some of our stories. It has been part of what many of us in this community have experienced. Are we listening to that or are we pushing away the pain? You know, sometimes we can't listen to collective pain because we're not listening to our own. Like sometimes we go, oh, I can't, I, no, that can't be real. I, no, I'm not going to hear that because we're not even listening to the own pain in our life. We haven't processed our grief and because of that, we don't have the compassion and the empathy, church, we need to listen to the collective pain and make space for it. Latasha Morrison in her book, Be the Bridge, says lament allows us to connect with and grieve the reality of our sin and suffering. Lament seeks God as a comforter, a healer, a restorer and redeemer. Somehow the act of lament reconnects us with God and leads us to hope and redemption. Church, what do we need to lament? And who do we need to lament with in this season? Number three, grieving loneliness and disconnection. In about March last year, there was that article that came out that many of us read that was called, This Discomfort You're Feeling Is Grief. And for about a month, everyone was okay with grief, right? But then as the months went on and the prolonged separation and isolation and loneliness, it's almost like we just forgot it was grief and we just felt the loneliness. We felt the disconnection. And here's the thing about loneliness that's so hard, I think, in this season, is that even those of us that are living with spouses or family or roommates, we feel this intense loneliness because we're together, but I still feel alone. Like we're living in a house together or we're sharing some space together, but I still feel so alone because every single one of us experienced the last 14 months differently. It's like, I don't know if you can relate and I can't relate to you and this has all never been done before. And then we feel shame about our loneliness and how deeply disconnected we feel. And church, let's just also get really real that some of us feel deeply forgotten in this season. 
I've spoken to a number of people in our community who have said, I don't know if anyone even knows if I log on for church anymore. I don't know, if I, if I go back, will people even know who I am? Will my people be there? I don't even know who's there anymore. There's a sense that we're unseen and unremembered. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're just feeling like, gosh, I was terrified to walk through the door today because I didn't know if my people would be there. I didn't even know I was gonna log on today because who really cares? No one's reaching out. Church, I wanna say to you this morning that Jesus sees you. That Jesus knows exactly where you are. It says in Psalm 34 that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you feel unseen this morning, let me just kind of channel the love of God towards you right now that Jesus sees you. Jesus knows exactly where you are. Jesus knows how courageous you are for walking in this room today, for clicking that computer today and saying, I'm gonna be here, I'm gonna show up. He sees you. He knows he's close to the brokenhearted. When was the last time you felt the comfort of Jesus? Jesus says in Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, implying that without mourning, there is no comfort. See, this is why we have to do the work of grief. I know this is, this is a hard word, this is like, oh, is this Mother's Day message? It is. It is. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. When I sat with this this week, this, was how, this is how it went. Holy Spirit, what would you like to say to our community? Grief. I want you to help people process grief. What was that? Victory and breakthrough? Yeah, that sounds great. Ruthie? Ruthie, grief. What was that? Crushing the devil under my feet? That's great. No, Ruthie. And I'm like, I have been resistant to this too, right? This is hard. We don't want to do the work of grief. I mean, some of you are here this morning and you're like, Ruthie, I don't have time for this. I mean, if I begin to open up this thing, I mean, do you have a decade to hear all my pain, Ruthie? I don't have time for it. But let me tell you this church, we don't have time not to do this. We don't have time not to do this because you know what? There is a hope in the future. There is more for us. God is dreaming big dreams over your life and your family and our church. We don't have time to say, I can't do this. Church, I wanna encourage you to take the time. I mean, if you need to go to Target and get a grief journal, I'm with you, right? I mean, if you need to get into therapy, I'm with you. Like if you need to spend some time with friends, just processing. We have to get this stuff out of us, otherwise there is no space for our faith to increase. There is no space to hold the vision. This is why I feel the Holy Spirit on this message so strongly today, because I just sense him being like, let's get ready church, let's do this thing. And we're like, oh, I'm not sure. And he's like, let me show you how to make space for me. We grieve and we mourn and we process. Maybe some of you are here and you're feeling, if I open this thing up, it will overwhelm me. If I face this thing, it will destroy me. I think this is one of the biggest lies of the enemy, to keep us in our pain. He says, that thing's so big, no one can hold it. That thing will take you out, that memory, that trauma, that thing you've never told anyone that you tuck away, if you let that thing out, that will destroy you. Church, that is a lie from the pit of hell. 
Because you know what? Jesus went down to the darkest place and he was buried in the tomb and he experienced death and you know what? He came back out. And if Jesus can do that, he can do it for you too. I want to encourage you that thing that feels absolutely paralyzing, that you're like, I don't know how to process this deep disappointment from this last year. Jesus is going to be with you. This thing is not going to destroy you. Some of you might be thinking, well, what good could possibly come from going back and feeling negative emotions? I'll tell you a couple of stories. Um, yesterday, I was chatting with my seven-year-old. He'd heard me chatting about this sermon with my husband, and he came to me, and he said, hey, mommy, um, I heard that thing you said yesterday. Um, <laughs> shoot, what thing was that? You know, like, awkward moment. Um, and then he said, I heard you say, literally, I heard you say that when we push down pain and sadness, we also push down joy and creativity. And I'd never thought about that before. <laughs> and I was like, understandable. Um, but you all have heard me say that if you've been part of this community. I mean, that's a Brene Brown right there. When we push down the pain and we push down the sadness, we also push down the joy. We also push down our capacity to believe God for big things. We push down the creativity. I was on a work trip this week. I checked out of the hotel, went to a car, our car with my friend. We were loading up our bags, and I was like, oh, we've left our laptops in the lockbox. You guys ever done that? You check out of a hotel, you're like, left all my precious life in the lockbox. So we like trudged back to the front desk, got another key, went up the elevator, walked around the long corridor, and as I was walking to the room, Holy Spirit just said this so, just so firmly to me. He's like, Ruthie, this is like grief. He's like, sometimes you gotta go back and collect the thing you left there before you can move forward. And I was like, whoa, Jesus, you're so cool. But that is exactly, that is exactly what's going on here, church. You see, some of us need to go back to the pain because we left something there. Some of us need to go back to the trauma because we left our joy there. We left our peace there. We left our confidence that God is good. We left it there. We didn't even know we left it there. But then we woke up one morning and we're like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened to that confidence inside of me. I don't know what happened to that joy. I don't know what happened to that absolute die-hard faith I had. And we don't realize that it's locked up in that box until maybe many years later. Church, this is why this work is so important. I believe that there are some of us here and we have left some things back there and Holy Spirit does not want you to live another day without that thing without the joy, without the confidence. As I was preparing, there's somebody here who had a relationship that failed and you were devastated and you've lost the confidence. You're like, I don't know what happened. I used to be bubbly and happy and full of myself of like just joy and, and I just lost it. And I just feel like God's like, let's go back and pick that up. Let's go back to that place and find that healing. Let's go back to that place where you would wake up and believe that God could do the impossible. You want that back? Let's do the grief work. You might be thinking, well, I'm not sure how to do this. We're gonna do a little bit right now. We're gonna start right here in this room for those of you at home, you can do it right where you are. Because church, this isn't a one-time thing. 
This is a lifestyle thing. But if we can start right here, I mean, if we can just lean in just to the pain, just to the disappointment, say, okay, Jesus, do you have something for me here? Is there something that I left there? Maybe if we can just open up this morning to that invitation. I think Jesus wants to do something in this space today. Jesus wants to do something in our lives today. And church, if we wanna move forward, we have to look back in faith, believing that God's gonna do a healing work. I'm gonna invite the band back up and this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna do it a little bit differently today. The band's gonna come back up and we're gonna enter in and just do one song. And during that song, I wanna encourage you, stay engaged and stay present in this moment. What is God inviting you to grieve? What is the thing that the whole time I've been talking, you're like, there's this thing that I know I haven't quite processed, that I'm feeling heavy. What's that angst inside of you? You're like, I don't know if I can look at that. What's that thing? And what I wanna encourage you to do is position yourself just to be open to how the Holy Spirit might wanna work in your life today. We're gonna to sing a song, we're gonna come back up, I'm gonna share a few words, we're gonna do a little bit of ministry time in this space. But let's just hold where we're at. Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you are committed to taking us back in order to collect all the pieces of ourselves and all the gifts and all the goodness that you have for us, God. Jesus, I thank you that after the tears comes the joy. Lord, some of us need that, need that reminder because we're in the midst of tears. God, some of us are in a really low place this morning. We've, we've maybe showed up here or at home, we're like putting on the, the smiley face, but inside we know there's a deep depression. We know there's a heaviness, we know there's a thing and we're just not sure where to go with it. And Jesus, that's what you say, come and you will comfort us. Come and you will heal us. So as we wait on you, Holy Spirit, would you come and just put your hand on what it is that you wanna do? Church, I wanna encourage you, you might wanna stand, you might wanna remain seated, you might wanna kneel. You might wanna open up your hands and just say, Jesus, what are you doing? Where are you taking me? And how do I go with you? Church, in moments like this, um, there's a tendency to wanna to control. Like, I don't know if I wanna show any emotion here, I'll save it till I get home. I don't know if I wanna fully engage. I don't know if I wanna move my body. And I wanna encourage you today that if you wanna follow the Spirit, you have to release control. If we have our agenda and our preference front and center, we're gonna miss what the Spirit's doing. So just hold that as, you're, as we move into this moment. I'm gonna share some things that God put on my heart, some things that I heard in pre-service prayer. And then I'm gonna ask you to be mighty bold here today. That if there's something that resonates with you, I'm gonna ask you to stand. Now I know that every single one of you just went, oh, I'm not gonna stand. And I just wanna just encourage you like to be bold and courageous this morning in your response to how God may wanna heal you.
because I think there are some people here today and some people at home and even some people listening to this later on audio this week and God wants to mark an ending, a breakthrough, a freedom moment. He wants to give you vision. He wants to restore dreams. Oh man, He wants us to be like those who dream. And some of you, God's saying, I want you to dream again. This, this week I was praying, I saw an image of a, a classically trained musician and I heard a bird singing my garden. I felt like God said there is someone or some people in our community who are classically trained musicians and God's like, I want a song to come out of you in this season. And you have felt stifled and you've felt suffocated and God's just like, I am restoring your song. I'm giving you a voice. I'm giving you musicality back. I'm helping you dream again through music. I saw an image of a woman sitting on a bench reading a book and she was in England, which is a wonderful country, by the way. I sensed there was someone in our community that had the opportunity to go, go uh, study abroad and couldn't go because of COVID. And the dream feels like it's lost. And I felt Jesus say, the dream's not over. A lot of pre-service prayer focused around dead things coming to life. Some of you have put to bed ideas. You have put to the grave relationships. There are things that you feel like are over and Jesus wants to say today that I'm the God of the resurrection. I bring dead things to life. I bring dead parts of you back to life. It's an image of an older man with a red shirt and a Boston Red Sox hat. And the word was um, that this was someone that had passed away. And that maybe there's someone in our community who has lost that person and Jesus wants to comfort you. The other word that I sensed was that there is some addiction in our community that is gonna be broken through grief. That you've tried everything, you've done all the things, you've done all the effort and Jesus is saying today, this thing will be broken through the grief, through the mourning, through going back to that place of pain and letting me in. And I sense that the, um, this word around addiction that some of you are feeling like I'm literally a different person. I know I am, I just can't get free from this thing. And the thing you're going back to in the lockbox is the real you, the authentic you. And then there are some of us in this community that are just so desperate to dream again. And we have felt so disappointed and so hurt and so let down. We just feel like, I, don't, I, don't, I just want to be able to dream. So if any of those things resonate with you and if you could be bold, would you stand up? And it'd be really awesome if you could be bold because I'm being really bold up here, okay? And every time we do this, there's always people that are like, mm, the moment's passed to stand up. It hasn't passed. 
So if you're still sitting and you're like, shoot, I wish I'd stood up, but now everyone will know I stood up late. Nobody cares. Everyone, let's just eyes closed in this space. If you are at home right now and you are listening to this and anything that I just shared resonated with you, I just want you to get up off your couch. I want you to stand up. If you're listening to this audio and you're driving in your car and you're like, man, that word was for me. I want you to raise one hand very carefully off the steering wheel and say, Jesus, it's me. Because church, we're here to claim everything that was lost. Amen. We are here to take back everything that is ours. Jesus, we want everything in our lock back box. God, we want the capacity to dream. Church, I just want you to raise your hands and I just want you to ask for comfort. I want you to ask for that thing. Let's just be bold, church. Let's raise our voices. Jesus, would you come and restore to us what has been lost? God, we're like the psalmist saying, God, restore our fortunes. God, there's some of us here that have lost people and we just don't know how we can move forward. God, we need healing and we need comfort. And Lord Jesus, I pray for every single one of the people in this room, and there is a lot of people standing. I pray for them right now that you would come and meet them in this Holy Spirit moment. If you're sitting right now, would you just turn and extend a hand to someone that's standing near you? We can't do the same kind of prayer we used to do because of COVID. So we are facilitating some healing in this space right now. If you feel like you need to cry, go ahead and cry. We welcome the tears. This is the Holy Spirit moving in this space. Jesus, come. We're just waiting on you right now. Just come. Just come. I just sense the Holy Spirit's almost like He's just moving through the room. I just sense He's just putting a hand on you. There's some relationship stuff in this room. And for those of you at home, there's some people that you lost that you thought were gonna be your forever person. I just feel Holy Spirit just saying, I'm just coming to that place, that confidence that you felt like you lost, I'm gonna give it back to you. Come Jesus, come Jesus, come God. We're here for all of the joy as well, God. We want it, we wanna create space for it. It's not done. He's just still doing his thing. Just let him come. Just stay in the moment. Stay in the process. You're just making space. You're just making space for the Holy Spirit to give you vision. There's a faith. There's a capacity to risk and to say yes to big things that you feel like you lost and you feel like you've been on shaky ground and you're not sure if you can take that big step. And Holy Spirit says, we're just making space for the faith. We're making space, we're healing, we're restoring. Just keep going, just keep pressing in. Thank you, Jesus. There are literally, I feel like God's saying there are families that are being restored right now. There is people that you have felt at odds with. And in this moment, as you engage and press in and say yes to what Holy Spirit's doing, He is literally working in their life. He is literally bringing restoration. I just speak that over our community, restoration of relationships in Jesus' Name, healing to families in Jesus' Name. 
I just speak to our physical bodies. Some of us have been manifesting the trauma. Some of us have recently been diagnosed with anxiety and depression. We're like, God, I need you. Holy Spirit, just come bring healing in Jesus' Name. We declare healing in Jesus' Name. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're breaking some addictions right now in Jesus' name. There was a word in pre-service prayer that Jesus just reminded me of and someone shared that what you think is unredeemable, He has redeemed. There are some of you here that feel like part of your story is unredeemable and Jesus is saying, oh, I bought that too. I paid for that too. I covered that too. I healed that too. I restored that too. That part, that very dark part, that very small part that you feel like, I don't wanna ever tell anyone this. Jesus, not even Jesus could redeem this. I just sense Holy Spirit saying, oh, I redeem that too. Every part of you, every part of your story. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna move into a time of worship, church. God is just starting a good work. Just go with it. Just go with what the Spirit's doing. Let's check in on one another. If you're at home and you just need to reach out and text somebody and just say, man, Jesus just did some stuff. I need to chat, do that. If God puts someone on your heart, shoot them a text and say, how are you doing? How can I lament with you? How can I stand with you? How can I love you? How can I hold space for you? And for those of us here in this room and here in this moment at home, we're gonna go into worship and I want you to lean in to the faithfulness and the goodness and the restorative power of God. I want you to lean in to the promise that the tears are not the end, but the joy is. The joy is the reward, church. The joy is the gift. The joy is where He's taking us. And it's gonna be our strength. And it's gonna fuel us for the future because our story isn't over and this isn't all there is. There's so much more. Holy Spirit, just keep working. Just keep doing what you're doing. Break out in this space, Holy Spirit. I feel like, God, you're saying some people are gonna walk out of here healed in ways that it would have taken them years in therapy. God bless therapy, but you know what? Jesus does something supernatural in the moment. Some of you are walking out of here and you're just gonna be like, ooh, I just feel like Jesus touched me. Some of you are sitting at home and you're like, I don't know what's going on in my living room, but Holy Spirit just fell here. There is a movement that God is doing in our church. God, would you keep doing it? Keep doing it, God. Jesus' name. <laughs>